suddenly, you know, you don't want to bump into them in the street and they go, hey, did you end up doing that? Like, how's that thing going? You said you were going to give a go. And if you yeah. haven't done anything, it's amazing how much of like a self kick up the ass that can be when somebody is asking you, oh, how's that thing going that you were telling me about? You have reached escape the nine to five. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi there. I'm doing a boring day job and finding life sucks. Stuck in a 9 to 5 job and looking for something different? Escape the 9 to 5 is your guide to freedom. My name is Steve O'Ealy and my mission is to help you on your own career change journey. I chat with successful professionals who've either taken the leap themselves or have always done work differently. They share stories so that you can learn from their mistakes and benefit from their successes. Escape the 9 to 5 and join us on our journey to a more enjoyable life. I'm going to address the elephant in the room here. Not everyone listening to this podcast is suited to escaping the 9 to 5. Maybe you like listening to the stories, but actual change is too scary. Or really, you're comfortable in your 9 to 5 job and don't want big change. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're not 100% happy in your current role. While this podcast is your guide to escaping the 9 to 5, I wanted to hear from someone who has made change without the big scary leap into a completely different field of work. Before making a bigger jump, you need to decide if you're unhappy in your job or unhappy in your profession. There's a significant difference. My name is Steve O'Ealy. I'm the host of Escape the 9 to 5, and I'm somebody just like you. I went to college, got a degree, and found myself in a well-paying job I was not enjoying. How do we escape the 9 to 5 without losing the financial freedom from our current jobs? This week I spoke to Robbie Allen about making a jump in your own workplace. I don't see this as your end goal. It can be just a starting point to motivate further change. Robbie is the founder of Insidery, whose slogan is, the best insight into a job comes from those actually doing it. He helps young people starting off on the perfect career path by hearing from those on the inside. But before doing all this, he discovered how to change career without leaving a workplace you enjoy, transitioning from a business management role in an advertising agency to a role as a strategist in the same agency. Since recording this interview, Robbie has now left the advertising agency to pursue his entrepreneurial vision full-time. You'll learn from Robbie why you should break down the change into something you can dip your toes into, how sharing your idea with family and friends will not only help give other perspectives, but also provide some much-needed accountability to actually make change. And finally, he suggests you find ways to audition for roles within your current workplace to prove to yourself and to your colleagues, you can actually make change. This isn't just another motivational podcast. We're going to help you escape the nine to five in an achievable way. And for some of you, the first leap might have to be in your current professional field. One of my big frustrations with the nine to five job is the idea that everyone should be treated exactly the same. I'm a morning person. I would gladly get up at 6am, start work from home, at 6.30 and finish work by 3. During the COVID lockdowns, I was in a corporate job and really enjoyed the flexibility of working from home. 
if it were up to you, what hours would you work? Chances are you'd work less than you currently do now, have more time for exercise, hobbies, friends, and family. Here's the best part. Being happier and healthier and working to your own schedule, you'd likely be more productive in your job. I joined the conversation discussing with Robbie about increasing flexibility at work. Any rule that is kind of put blanket across the agency, there's always people who want to leave early and are happy to work again late, but they want to leave and do the school pickup and there is flexibility with that stuff. But it is sort of case by case where it happens. But in general, it is kind of a you're expected in these days and not in these days while we're trialing this version of it, which I think, yeah, I sort of agree. In this day and age, we're all kind of used to having conversations like this remotely and can do a lot of that stuff. I think more flexibility is good. I personally, though, I was one of those people when we had the option to either work remote the whole time or come into the office where I wanted to be in the office. And I think we kind of saw like a divide between like the younger people in the agency and the older people in the agency. I shouldn't say that, but the people who had kids maybe or were quite happy being at home, whereas those of us who are younger in the agency who maybe are in an apartment or a flat with a bunch of other people, it's nicer to get out and have a bit of space, but also just us as young people wanting to spend time in the agency and hanging out together because sort of working with good people. So some of us just valued that and wanted to come in for that more than others who were happy to dip in and dip out, but wanted to stay remote more. So yeah, you're right. Everybody's different and wants a different mix. So still figuring that stuff out a little bit, I think. And what works for you now might not work for you in 10 years time. Like totally, you yeah. might have a young family in 10 years time and, and want to be mostly working outside of the office. Definitely when you're younger, I think, especially without a family, those coffee chats and that sort of thing and going for the beers after work, if you're allowed, is stuff that you look forward to. But people change as they get older. And I I just don't like this idea of making rules. It's not factory work anymore, especially in something like your job, which is a creative agency. It's not factory work. And there's a lot of evidence to show that you can't sit people down for 40 hours and expect that for 40 hours you're going to produce good work. It's sort of more in energy and bursts. Yeah, totally. Especially in our industry where you could give me a day on a brief or a week or an hour or give our creatives the same amount of time. And you're not going to know if a day sitting there thinking about the same problem is going to lead you to a different outcome than hitting it for an hour when you were in the moment ready for it. And everybody's different in how they'd like to work in that sense as well. So I, I sort of agree. I think the more variety and flexibility there can be to have different people be present at the right times that suit them, the better. And I guess part of the challenge with working remote for us as well And maybe, you know, I'm sure this is true of a lot of industries, but so much of what we do is people getting in a room together and brainstorming stuff and bouncing stuff around. And so, although you can do that remotely and it's fine, and we did that for months last year and it was all good, but I think I would always, if I had full flexibility, want to be in the office for those spontaneous hallway chats or to be in the room for that discussion where you're not kind of hand raising on a team screen, but you're just in the mess with each other, figuring something out. I think there's a time and a place for both of those. Have you heard about the concept of deep work? It's the idea that if we turn off all distractions, sit down and actually focus on one specific task, most people are only able to work productively for about four hours. We've really got to throw away this outdated idea of someone working long hours deserving a badge of honor for their hard work. Especially in creative roles like Robbie's, working in an advertising agency 
where the work is defined by quality over quantity. I wanted Robbie to share a bit of the work he's done prior to talking about his career transition and insidery. We're really lucky with the stuff that we work on here in Wellington that a lot of our clients are government clients. So we do a lot of work in the social marketing space. I've worked on road safety campaigns and anti-racism campaigns for the Human Rights Commission and climate change campaigns. And most recently, we've done the Unite Against COVID-19 communications. Oh, right. Those yellow and white stripes that are just everywhere. They're all through our office as well. So we're all deep in that and working on the campaigns for vaccines and that sort of stuff. So we work with some really interesting and sort of hard problems, which is really sort of challenging and rewarding as well. The stuff that I've really gravitated towards and have learned a lot out of has been those kind of gnarlier social marketing challenges. George's driving. He's too wasted. I should say something, but I could look dumb in front of Monique. Bro, Monique says you're dumb, but if he crashes, I'll have to live with his family. Puzzle time. And if he dies, Ghost George will haunt me forever. Grab a chip. Want a chip? You know I can't grab your ghost chips. Go away. Spoon. Spacehead. Bro, what are you doing, bro? I've been internalizing a really complicated situation in my head. What are you on about? I don't think you should drive. Nah. Nah, you're too drunk, bro. You just crash here. Yeah, just crash here. Okay. <laughs> Stop a mate from driving drunk. Legend. Yeah, so that's our agency did ghost chips before my time. So I've been here for six years and that came out a few years before that. Probably the biggest campaign I've worked on for that was a drink driving campaign, which was the bogan guy who goes out to his ute and then has that moment where he reflects on all the things he does with his mates that he'd be missing out on. So that was in my first year, we got that brief targeting rural males who drink a lot and then drive home because they're out in the sticks and there's no cops around and that sort of thing. And so that was a really interesting one. And particularly, I really enjoyed the insight work when we go out into the audience's world and interview them and figure out what makes them tick. And in that case, I was lucky enough to get sent up to Hawke's Bay to just meet with our target audience and figure out what makes them tick and what they're interested in. Really just what a week looks like and who do they spend time with and what do they value and all of those things. And I feel like you can't really replace sitting down and talking to somebody and figuring out what motivates them and what they care about and even just the language they're using to talk to each other and take the piss out of their mates and all that stuff becomes so central to how we do the work here to reflect the audience kind of authentically to themselves and also just know what are the right triggers to talk to here. And in that case, as we talk to guys in Hawke's Bay and down in Nelson and all around the country, one of the big themes was just how much they valued those outdoor physical things that they love doing, like hunting and fishing and riding motorbikes and all those things. And so that was really where the insight came from for the brief that we wrote was because these guys are doing that with their mates week in, week out, if they were to injure themselves drink driving, it would be a waste of all of that stuff that they'd be missing out on. And yeah, really, that just came from literally buying a box of beers and sitting with a bunch of guys in their flat and just talking about what they care about and what a night out drinking looks like for them and all of that stuff and then bringing that back to the agency. And that's really what my role as a strategist is all about, is getting those insights, understanding the audience and putting the brief together that the creatives then jump off and come up with the ideas for. 
and then they execute the kind of the ads and the ideas that you see out in the world. I mean, you guys clearly do a great job because of all the ads in New Zealand that are consistently good, the government road safety, drink driving type ones. Ghost Chips is the most famous one, but there's a lot of others that have been done really well. Yeah, and it's also like testament to a great client as well. Like we've had a really good relationship with them for a long time and relationships are such a big part of advertising in that way that there's a lot of trust that is had between us as an agency and a government client who you can imagine the kind of restrictions and red tape that they're dealing with on their side to get something like that through and out into the world and making it authentic to an audience who has not a lot in common with the government. And it's hard for us as well because we're not in our target audiences most of the time either. And so there is a bit of body hopping you have to do in this job to figure out what is true to the audience and to empathize with them regardless of the problem you're trying to solve. Because you're dealing with a problem like for the anti-racism work we've done, like somebody who's perpetuating racism, you have to find a way to sit with those people and interview them without judgment to figure out why they're behaving in a certain way and how you might be able to turn that behavior. And so a big part of it is just to empathize with them and find the right solution. I think one of those that we've learned so much on in the last five years since we've been working on it is the anti-racism work we've done for the Human Rights Commission. As New Zealander of the Year, I'm calling on every one of my fellow Kiwis to help support a very important cause. Racism needs your help to survive. You may not be in a position to give much to racism, but whatever you feel comfortable giving will make a huge difference. You don't have to be a full-on racist. Just being a tiny bit racist is enough. A smile, a cheeky giggle, even a simple nod in agreement. It all adds up and it gives others the message that it's okay. Frequently asked questions about racism. But I'm not a real racist. Can I still help? Of course. Even if you don't come from a racist background, that's okay. Being a bit racist is super easy. How do I spread the word? You don't actually have to talk people into it. Just be a bit racist and they'll feel the social pressure to follow along. My mum says being a bit racist is bad. Oh, shut up, mum. What's in it for me? Uh, nothing. There's no benefit whatsoever to being racist. But ask yourself, what if everyone stopped giving to racism? What kind of future would that be for our children? If I only give a little bit, Will it even make a difference? Not to you, no. But to the people receiving the racism, they'll be getting hundreds of small bits every day, so it will add up. It will be noticed. How do I show my support? You might not want to wear a t-shirt that says how much of a racist you are. No thanks. I'm racist on the inside. But you can laugh at racist comments. It does the same thing. <laughs> Remember, the only thing that can keep racism alive and help it grow is feeding it, nurturing it. And that's where you come in. Will you help it flourish? What will you give to racism? So there's a sort of platform that we set up a few years ago called Give Nothing to Racism. We work with Taika Waititi on it. And that was a really interesting one around that same time as that other example where getting out into the world and interviewing people who experience racism or people who sort of laugh off racism quite openly and, and make racist jokes and are comfortable with that and sitting with those people in their living rooms at sometimes or at a pub and trying to empathize with all sides of that and learn what the dynamics were and what was going on to figure out how to turn that behavior. And yeah, so 
kind of been quite spoiled in that sense of getting to work on some of those problems and learn about them. It's always sort of gratifying working on a campaign and seeing it go out into the world and people respond to it and that sort of thing, I think is something we're pretty lucky to do as well, that we get that feedback to see what's landing with people as well. And then that always informs the next thing. The reason I got interested in talking to Robbie is he's the founder of Insidery, which he started under the premise so few of us get actual advice from people in the careers we're considering going into. It's crazy, isn't it? The biggest decision we'll make in our lives, we often make as clueless teenagers. I for one chose to become a veterinarian on the basis of hints from my parents and one week of placement at a local vet clinic, which I didn't even really enjoy. Chances are, you likely chose your career on the recommendations of some influential people in your life. They know you as a person, but nothing beats being in your actual shoes, living your experience. And the only way you can know what makes you tick is to actually experience life in the working world. I join Robbie back explaining how Insidery works. So Insidery is a platform that essentially exists to connect people who otherwise wouldn't have a connection or a way to see into an industry that they're interested in, to connect with professionals who are working in that industry and have the inside knowledge to share with them, really to help them figure out, is that an industry that I can see myself in? Starting sort of with a university student, figuring out where do I go from here is kind of the core audience, but a number of the users we've had through already have been kind of one, two, sometimes six years into their careers and are going, I now have figured out where I want to fit in and the pathway I want to head on. So how do I talk to somebody who's made the change I want to make or is in the department I want to move into and help figure out how to make those changes as well? So yeah, definitely starting with uni students, but there's been a bit of lead on both sides into different people seeing some value in it as well, which has been good just at this early stage to figure out where the value really sits with it. I guess where the idea for Insider really came from was having a few conversations with university students and presenting at a couple of different unis to share what an advertising agency does. And, you know, it's a small industry and pretty sort of opaque. Like it's, a bit, it's a bit hard to see what all the roles look like or people don't always know who are the people behind the scenes that are doing this and how does that work? It's not a particularly well-known or understood industry. And so presenting at those unis, I just found a lot of the questions I was getting were really focused around, okay, who exactly does this part of it? And what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? And I would put up my email at the end of those presentations and say, please reach out if you want to hear from me or other people. And was getting people coming forward saying, I'm really interested in the production side. Who handles that side of advertising? And I would connect them to a colleague who's a producer here. And, you know, and so on with other roles and then kind of just had that moment of realizing if those students weren't in that one presentation and didn't reach out and get on that call with that person I passed them on to, they might not have known that that was a career pathway that they could have fitted into. Really, that was kind of the start of the problem I was trying to solve, which led to Insidery was kind of going, how do you facilitate those kinds of connections that give people that inside knowledge that could set them off down the perfect path that they might have not otherwise known was there for them? And it sort of made me reflect a bit on how I figured out what I wanted to do because I've fallen into an industry that I've really enjoyed and gotten a lot out of. It was really one conversation I had when I was, I think, in the last year of high school where I didn't know what I wanted to study at uni. I knew roughly I wanted to do something creative and to do with business. And I'd figured that out from talking to lots of career advisors and stuff to try narrow it down a bit. 
And then it wasn't until a family friend connected me to a family friend who worked in advertising. They sort of said, oh, you might be interested in what our friend does, that I had the chance to connect with him and spend an hour just asking him all those kind of really specific questions that you don't get on just a careers website or a generic kind of job description or that a career advisor could point you in the direction of, but chances are they haven't worked in an agency, so they don't know all the ins and outs of what it's like and what different agencies are like. So I got to ask him all those questions and that really kind of illuminated the industry for me and helped me figure out, okay, I can really see myself in there in this type of role and I can see the pathway in now and I know roughly what I have to study, how you might position yourself to get into an agency. So that was a super valuable conversation that set me off down the path I've been on. That and those conversations I was having off the back of those presentations to students just made me realize that I was lucky enough to have a family friend who had a family friend that was in the industry. And chances are those sorts of connections and networks are people who are quite similar to one another, just based on how those networks tend to work. So I was fortunate to have that sense of direction from that connection, but was realizing and doing these uni presentations that a lot of people don't have those existing connections. So that's at the core of what Insider is trying to do is to democratize that inside knowledge to help people match with the right careers from the start rather than heading in a general direction and then maybe figuring out this is not what I signed up for or not what I thought it would be because I didn't know those ins and outs. The thing I like about Insidery is it's helping facilitate those conversations we're usually too lazy to make ourselves when we're in our teens and early 20s. It is really crazy we make our career choices at a time when our brains are not yet fully formed. You were probably too busy enjoying your teens and 20s, making friends and having fun, to seriously consider how good a fit your career path was going to be for you. In my own case, I loved university, had way too much to drink, made lots of lifelong friends, and generally had a good time. In terms of my career, I only really realized how I would be spending the majority of my waking hours after I graduated as a veterinarian. For some people, I know that might sound bizarre, but I was only 19 when I started vet school, and I was 23 when I graduated. I've had so many of my friends say they never really considered their career until they had actually graduated and had started their first job. As mentioned previously, making a career change out of your own industry might be too big of a leap for you. If you want to take more gentle steps to escaping the nine to five, a starting point might be making change in your own industry. I've personally done this myself, moving from a role as a clinical veterinarian to a technical and marketing role for an animal health company. Not everyone listening to this podcast will be unhappy about their career choice. You just know deep down your current job is not a good fit. Robbie himself was lucky enough to land a career he mostly enjoyed, but he wasn't quite happy in his initial role. I join him back sharing some tips about how he made a career change within his own industry and also at the same time started his side gig to give a bit of extra meaning to his life outside of work. Yeah, well, it's funny because I am kind of like we've just been talking about at that point where I'm trying something quite different that's outside of my career and kind of dipping my toes in that water and also have made changes in my current career where I've changed disciplines and jumped across and because I've sort of had that moment of realization that, okay, I want to be doing that job over there, not the one that I'm in and have been in for a couple of years. So yeah, I guess I can speak from those experiences 
the first thing I would say is if you have an inkling of something you might be interested in doing is to try break the change down a bit into something that you can dip your toes in and, and dabble with and experiment with to see if that's something you're really interested in, which I guess is maybe different to some of the advice you've heard about just quit and jump out and you'll figure it out. I think I'm definitely a person who, and you can see that in how I'm working on Insidery, is playing around with something and figuring it out in a kind of a lower stakes way that means I can really figure out, okay, would that be something I'd want to take a plunge on or not? Or am I at the risk of jumping into something else that is not going to be fully satisfying or something as well? I just wanted to quickly say on that note, one of our previous guests said do it incrementally. And he also mm. said he doesn't believe in the, the jump. And there's actually a lot of evidence in psychology that if you were to quit everything and then you're suddenly financially having to rely on this new venture, then potentially you're not going to make the best decisions. So in terms of your insidery, even if you were to quit and give 100% of your time to it, I think one of the important things you would need to do is actually get someone willing to sponsor you in some shape or form so you've got an income, so you don't have to worry about the financial side. And you can say, look, I'm going to give this a crack for a year, and in a year's time, if it's not working, I can go back to my old job. But to mm. go back to the other side, which was the other guest who said, just jump, she thinks she jumped, but she actually had already created her own safety net with doing the yoga instructing and fitness stuff in the background. And so right. while from her perspective, she quit her job and sort of like did a whole jump, it wasn't quite as simple as that. Yeah. And I think there's always going to be versions of that because if you're willing to take a jump on something, then chances are you've got an interest in it. Or It's not like it's a complete blind jump and I'll just pick a job out of a hat and jump into it. I think that's kind of my view and how I've come to Insidery is just playing around with it and figuring it out and going, okay, there's something here that's interesting me that I'm passionate about that you know is challenging me in a way that I'm enjoying. So just putting more energy into that. You know, I have really enjoyed being in advertising and in the agency I've been in, but every job has its ups and downs and its challenges yeah. and you know its frustrations and you'll have periods where you're sort of feeling like you want to change i think everybody has that in every job yeah. and i've definitely had that over the years and that that was part of why i made that change to switch departments because i sort of had a bit of a wall in the role i was in and wanted to make that change and was lucky enough to after sort of working up to it but i think what insidery has helped do is ease some of the pressure of my job having to be the be all and end all of the satisfaction I get out of the things I'm doing and yeah. the work that I'm doing. And as I've been playing around with it in the margins, even when it was at its earlier stages of me just scribbling things on bits of paper or talking to students on the street just to figure some things out at that early, early stage, even then I was feeling topped up by it. And like I had yeah. a bit of control on something else that I was doing that yeah. was giving me some other satisfaction. And that really lightened the pressure on work needing to be everything that I was getting satisfaction out of. I feel um, exactly the same thing with podcasting. In my current job, I feel like there's a limited amount of purpose in what I do. And I imagine in your agency, while it sounds like you enjoy your job, the nature of any big organization is you're a small cog in a huge wheel. And this is something that we get commonly with people with the frustration that you feel like you can't actually make a difference. So in your case, doing the insidery on the stuff, it gives you that purpose that maybe you don't get from being the cog in a massive machine. Definitely, yeah. And we're one cog, even as an agency, in a much bigger machine as well, where you're dealing with government agencies that are parts of bigger sections of government and all those things. And we are, as the people making the ads, 
such a small cog based on all the levers that government or a business that you're working with has to shift somebody's behavior or make them do something. I think that can feel quite frustrating as well. Yeah. You're going, yeah, cool. We make the kind of the pretty pictures that go out. It feels like that sometimes. It's kind of feeling like your hands are tied a bit behind your back in the types of solutions you get to make or that a client has the budget to make as well. So it kind of, I think, has levels, what you're talking about, of feeling like a lack of control inside an agency or a workplace and, and outside of that as well, more broadly. And yeah, Insidery has really been a chance to have some control and some autonomy and something that I own and it's on me to figure it out. And I quite like having that as a source of satisfaction outside of work as well. It's just, yeah, like I said, has kind of lightened up that expectation that work needs to be everything. That first one was trying to break the challenge down into something that you can experiment and dabble with in a lower stakes way and see if it's topping you up and you're feeling recharged by it or interested in it, then there's probably something in it for you there. But I'm definitely of the mindset that giving it a go and figuring out if that's something I really want to pursue is the best way to know that when I do take that jump at some point, I'm jumping into something that I'm going to throw everything into. And I yeah. think something else, I guess the second piece of advice would be at those early stages is to put those ideas out there. If you have a sense of where you might want to change towards, you know, a new job you might want to try or an idea on the side that you might want to give a crack, don't hold those things too close to your chest. It can be quite nerve wracking at that early stage to share, okay, I'm thinking about making this change into this career or giving this a go, or I've had this idea I want to try. It can be nerve wracking at that stage, but I think it does a few things that I've definitely found on Insidery, which is firstly, it just sharpens the idea. The more you talk to people about it and helps you yeah. figure out the more I say it, the more I hear it through your ears and go, oh no, is that really what I think or really what I want to get out of this? Or is that really a change that I can see myself doing once you start to verbalize it and talk to people about yeah. it? And also hearing their perspective on it back helps you figure out and shape it a lot more and see yep. sides of it that you might not have otherwise seen. So I think- That's a really good piece of advice. Yeah, it's definitely throughout Insidery. I've just, the amount of conversations I've had with friends over a beer or with family members or anyone who'll listen, bouncing this thing off them to sort of figure out for myself the different permutations of what it could be and what feels most natural and, and getting other people's perspectives on it has been really good to help me, even at those early stages, kind of figure it out in a way that made me more confident in the steps I was taking towards it. And the other thing it does is it acts as like a bit of a micro commitment as well. Like there's a little bit of accountability when you start telling people yeah, yeah, I agree. your ideas yeah. that suddenly, you know, you don't want to bump into them in the street and they go, hey, did you end up doing that? Like, how's that thing going? You said you were going to give a go. And if you yeah. haven't done anything, it's amazing how much of like a self kick up the ass that can be when somebody is asking you, oh, how's that thing going that you were telling me about? Especially if you talk about it a lot too, because if you mention it once in the pub, then people kind of like shrug it off. But if you're talking it to some of your good mates for a year and you don't do anything, there's actually a little bit of social accountability there. Yeah, definitely. And that pressure that you start to put on yourself once it's out there is definitely like a big motivator that has kind of driven insidery because I sort of got to a point where I was going, okay, I've had lots of conversations. I've been trying to figure this thing out. I just need to get something out in front of people. And then it was yeah. after a lot of those conversations that I finally just went, all right, I'm going to make a website. I don't care what it looks like. I'm not really that worried what the name is or what the colors are. Like that stuff doesn't really matter. Just get something out and start putting it in front of people and seeing what they like. Because I could sit in a room and talk to people about it forever. But at a certain point, you just that, do something. yeah, and that accountability starts to put a bit of pressure on you to do that as well. The other thing I'd say on that front is your mates are actually going to become your number one cheerleaders because 
I think people like yourself who actually have the guts to do something different, people not only like the idea, but they almost start living through you. So they're like, oh, how's Insidery going? And, oh, I reckon you should do this. So they end mm. up becoming your um, teammates to, to a certain degree. Yeah, and definitely in that sense that, like you said, they sort of become cheerleaders and invested in, in asking about it and giving you ideas, which is you know, the more perspectives you can get around these sorts of things, the better, because you're not going to solve it all by yourself. So that's one part that's really useful. But in the example of Insidery, they've literally become the teammates where people on that website and the first ones that came on were all friends of mine, colleagues of mine from this agency or that had moved on to other agencies that I spoke to about it. And they sort of did me the favor of going, yeah, cool. I like what you're doing. I'll jump on board and help you out. And they've become the insiders that, you know, the platform only exists because they're on it, offering their time. Yeah. So yeah, the more I've sort of spoken to people and shared it, the more people are kind of coming forward and saying, that sounds like something I'm keen to help with. And we're starting to get to that point where people who don't know me are coming forward and reaching out to join as insiders, which I think is good validation that, you know, it's not just my mates that I've twisted their arm to come help me out with this thing. It's people with 20, 25 plus years experience finding it through LinkedIn somewhere and reaching out, which has been really good validation that there's somebody out there with that level of experience willing to put their name to it and, and give it a go as well. So again, all those conversations just help snowball it. And it's amazing how word of mouth on these sorts of things becomes a real engine for people finding it and reaching out to give you a hand on it as well. I think the last thing, and maybe I'll talk about the change I made from one role to another role within advertising. So I was in account management and wanted to make the change into strategy after being in it for a couple of years and you know doing a little bit and working with the people in strategy and going that's the path i want to get on and making that change was quite a challenge because that means they're rehiring somebody to fill your role there and there has to be space on it here and they have to have the confidence that you can make that change and so the piece of advice i'd give for people in that situation that was really useful for me is find ways to audition for the role that you want within the role that you have so for me, that meant I wanted to get into strategy, which is in an agency, the person who's doing that audience insight work and grabbing things from culture and bringing in inspiration into the agency for the types of ways we can solve problems. I just took it upon myself to start doing weekly presentations to the agency that 10 minutes or 20 minutes a week where I was up in front of the agency sharing five things that I had found that were interesting from research I'd read, podcasts I'd listened to, a book I'd read, something weird happening on Reddit somewhere that is interesting and could be a source of inspiration for us here. And doing that week in, week out was my way of kind of auditioning to the agency every week and showing them I can do that job. That's me showing you my strategic thinking and how I yeah. see myself fitting into that role. But it also kind of, again, I guess this is sort of a similar point to the way I've approached Insidery, it kind of gave me a way to dabble in it and figure out for myself that that's actually what I wanted to do and that I had the confidence to do it as well. I guess the only thing I regret not doing at that time was telling people that that's what I was trying to do and making it clear to people that I was trying to move into strategy and this is me trying to figure that out because it was only a month or two out from making the change into strategy and it was known in the agency. And somebody said, oh, I didn't realize that you were interested in strategy. And I kind of sat there going to myself, what have I been doing for the last year presenting to the agency every week if they didn't yeah. realize that's what I was trying to do? And I think, <laughs> I think it's just that, you know, the reality is nobody is thinking about your career as much as you are and nor should they because everybody's thinking about what they're doing and where they want to go. So it's kind of on you to let people know what you're trying to do 
so that if I had done that, each of those weekly presentations would have been another notch on the scoreboard of Robbie can be a strategist because there is a internal shift that people have to make to see you in that other type of role to have the confidence yeah. you can do it. And I think telling them that it's what you want to do is not like a running around telling everybody, I want to be that and making it seem like you don't appreciate the job you have, but it's just finding your own way to make it clear that you're working towards something. Because again, it'll start to score points for that being something that you could possibly do. And again, people will open doors and, you know, I've had really good workmates and managers who have advocated for me behind the scenes to make that change because I just sort of made it clear in my own way and, and auditioned for it week in, week out to kind of prove it. That was founder of Insidery, Robbie Allen. You can find out more about Robbie at insidery.co. The two biggest take-homes for me from this episode were you can start that side hustle to give yourself meaning outside of work and also there are ways to transition within your own workplace. If you're considering making change and maybe more risk averse, this strategy could be a good starting point, but I challenge you to not stop there. Don't use a career change within your industry as an excuse not to escape the nine to five. If you're listening to this podcast, deep down you want a life lived on your terms, doing things you enjoy that are meaningful to you. Don't sell yourself short by only making small change. Since recording this interview, Robbie himself has quit the nine to five and now runs Insidery full time. He even mentioned our conversation being one of his inspirations for finally taking the leap. Robbie proves that a career change within your industry can start the snowball effect of bigger changes. His three tips from today were, one, if you have an inkling of something you might be interested in doing, try break the change down into something you can dabble with and experiment with to see if it's something you're really interested in. Two, Share your ideas with family or friends to not only get their perspectives, but also to make you accountable to actually make change. As Robbie said, it'll provide a kick up the ass to force you to actually make change. Three, as a starting point to bigger change, find ways to audition for another role within your industry to prove to your colleagues and yourself you can actually make change. There's something you've always wanted to do on the side. Quietly, you think to yourself, if I could get paid to do this, I would do it full time. I almost guarantee you there is someone out there doing what you enjoy most and getting paid for it. Get in touch with someone who's making a living out of your dream job and ask them how they got there. Challenge accepted. Even if this person is famous, there are ways to get in touch and actually get a response. And we'll discuss this in the Escape the 9 to 5 Facebook group. So this week, contact an insider. Challenge accepted. If you need help on your own career journey, be sure to join our Facebook group, Escape the 9 to 5 podcast. There you'll meet like-minded professionals on their own journey out of the 9 to 5. This week, we're talking about ways to get in touch with people already doing what you want to do for a living and what questions to ask them. I'm your host, Steve O'Ealy, and thanks as always for listening to Escape the 9 to 5. See you next week. Escape the 9 to 5 is a Deals Media production. If you felt like this episode brought you any value at all, 
and helped you on your journey to escaping the nine to five, please do give us a rating if you're on Apple or Spotify podcasts. Otherwise, make sure you subscribe on whatever app you're listening on. This show is produced and created by me, Steve O'Ealy. Editing is thanks to Jeremy Grater and show music is thanks to Mikey Geiger. For more information and support, please visit our Facebook page, Escape the 9 to 5 podcast. Links to this are in the show notes. See you next time on Escape the 9 to 5.